Hello, and welcome to the Disability Connection. My name is Walter Nunes, and I'm your host. The Disability Connection is sponsored by the Disability Law Center, which is located at 11 Beacon Street in Boston. DLC provides advocacy and representation for persons with disabilities in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts on a variety of issues. If you'd like to reach out and speak to anybody at the Disability Law Center, you can call 617-723-8455. And on the web, it's www.dlc-ma.org. Today, we are really grateful to have two guests who are going to be wonderful. We have Mr. Patrick Gleason and Mr. Nathaniel Troll. From here on out, we're calling Nathaniel Nate. And we're going to talk about emergency preparedness. So the show's about 25 minutes long, so we're going to get right down to the nitty-gritty. Okay. And for the sake of the viewing audience, Patrick, why don't you just sort of give us an idea? What do you mean when you say emergency preparedness? Sure. So the most obvious way people think about emergencies is things like fire, floods, those types of the, the disasters that are more or less... Uh, publicized on TV and, you, and reach a lot of people. However, one of our primary uh, methods is to, to show and let people know that an emergency can be anything. It can be a power failure. It can be if you need assistance in your home and someone can't get to you um, to provide their services, that could be an emergency. Um, one of our favorite sayings in the work we do is, if, if it involves you, it's an emergency. So and you know, I neglected to state, and I should have said this because this is the disability connection, we're primarily talking how emergencies affect people with disabilities. Absolutely. Great. So why don't you just pick up where you were? So research has shown and that individuals with disabilities primarily um, experience more uh, injuries and um, harmful effects from emergencies and disasters than individuals without disabilities. And also, research has shown that many times individuals with disabilities are either underprepared or don't know how to begin preparing when emergencies arise. So let's put a period there for a minute. And Nate, please mm -hmm. feel free to jump no in. Problem. We know you guys are, are a duo, so we yes, want you to harmonize whatever yeah. you feel comfortable. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you said two things that were really interesting. You said one thing is that statistics show that people with disabilities are more often injured. Yes. Or injured, I'll just stick with that word. Yes. Could you give me an example of what you mean by that? Sure. So in other words, if um, in 9-11, for example, not to start off with the... Well, it's certainly, Biggest example. it's certainly a good example of an emergency. But a lot of times, one of the primary uh, advice that was given to people as they were trying to get out of the towers was to shelter in a stairwell and stay in place. But if you're in a wheelchair or if you have a disability where walking is difficult, then not only is that hard, but you're probably going to need help from other people to do that, mm -hmm. which, you know, can present a hazard to them as well. So, so, and again, Nate, feel free to jump in. So emergency preparedness, as I understand what you're saying, in a way has two audiences. It has the audience of the person with, who lives with a disability, but also uh, the organization, or in the case of the two towers, the work location where 
that, you know, we'll call it a landlord for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. they have a responsibility for emergency preparedness as well. Correct. Mm -hmm. And yes, and also homes, you know, other places uh, as well. Um, anywhere you spend a lot of time is generally something where you should be conscious that an emergency may occur. So, um, with respect to individual preparedness, mm -hmm. Nate, I'm going to ask you to take no this. Yep. What should individuals do to start to think of what they may need or who they may need to contact in the event of an emergency? Um, it's just where we, where everybody, every agency has a coup plan or has a, uh, or has an emergency disaster plan. And what we do is we break down the science of it. Mm -hmm. and it's in three different workshops, and we say, here's the part one, here's part two, here's part three. And then we put it into people first language. Mm -hmm. People don't understand the language that they're trying to understand, but we bring it down to a sensible ability of them to understand, oh, okay, I can do that by being independent being on its own or living in his own apartment. And then he's like, oh, good. Now I can take the role in whatever disaster plan is around. So I'm going to put you on the spot because right. I'm cruel. I'm really not. <laughs> there are people watching this program right now, and some of them use chairs. Yes. And all of us, as I've learned in my experience working with people with disabilities, I just had knee surgery. All of us at best are only temporarily able. This will apply to all of us should we live so long. So if you were to speak out to people in the audience right now, to they're saying, what should I do? What would you tell them? Is take down your numbers, take down your registration of your, if it's a motor vehicle or a, uh, a handicapped wheelchair that's motor vehicle, uh, like electronic, you take down the serial number, you take down what your name is, is. you take down, okay, here, what this is, and da, 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 da. So then you have a, on a little piece of paper uh -huh. with you, and then you can say, oh, okay. So then if you needed assistance to get additional, but sometimes you have to do old school where you have to take an old-fashioned wheelchair, they have to physically somebody who might help you with uh -huh. that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what we try to say is, take all your information of your power wheelchair and say, okay, this is what I have for what I need. And okay, if they can't, well, they're gonna try to do the best that they can. And what should they do with that piece of paper, and, Patrick? Uh, well, there's a couple of things you can do with it. One is uh, you can, you should, Definitely make copies of it, first of all. You do not want to have that information just in one location because then if you get separated from it, uh, it's, it's not as useful. So the first thing is you definitely want to make copies. Second thing is um, you want to make sure that it is somewhere you can easily get to. Mm -hmm. So you also then, following by that, you, you would want to have it somewhere where if it was an emergency where you had to evacuate, you'd want to be able to bring it with you. So maybe put it in a duffel bag, put it in, um, put it in one of your electronic devices if you're, you know, if you're, if you do things more technologically based. Um, you know, so there's a, a couple of different places you could put it. Also, just to include something on what Nate said, it's not just uh, wheelchairs and the devices you use that you want to do that for. It's medications you mm -hmm. have. 
because in any um, in any emergency, it's important. We like to say it's important to plan for the what ifs. Yep. And one of the biggest what ifs is what happens if I get separated from the stuff that I need to that I use to make my life as independent as possible. So let me reel in a little bit. Um, you talked about putting it in a duffel bag, mm -hmm. but I, I went to your website, which, by the way, yeah. was extremely helpful, and we're going to give you the name of the website, but there's something, it's a go-to bag? Yes. Uh, what we call it is a go bag. So it's, go bag. Yeah. So basically, the idea is that if you have to leave very quickly, you want to have a bag by the door, essentially, so that all you have to do, it has all your valuable items, all your identifications, your medications, your equipment numbers for any equipment you may use. Contact information. Contact information, uh, non-perishable food items. Water. Can openers, water, things like that. You want to make sure that you have that all in one place, preferably by the door or whatever means of escape you would use in an emergency. And then you just pick up the bag, go with it, and it goes with you. Hence the name. Hence the name, exactly. And I think I, I really wanted to draw that out of you because, you know, if it was me, I put things on a piece of paper, then I put it on the kitchen table, and another yep. one's in the living room. Mm -hmm. So putting all of these, all of this information, technology, tools, the things that you need, mm -hmm. doctor's telephone number, emergency yes. contact information, yep. things of that nature? Absolutely. Family members? Family yes. members, any friends you may have contact with, um, anybody who is important enough to you that you would want them to know where you are and what's happening to you in an emergency would be good. So I'm going to raise an issue, sure. which um, I don't think it's contra controversial, but I think it, it, it speaks to the idea of privacy. Mm -hmm. Do emergency responders or EMTs or fire departments have registries where people with disabilities can let the first responders know, hi, I'm Walter, I live here, in the event of a fire, I'm going to need you to come get me first. Um, so there, most cities and towns definitely do have something. Uh, it can take different forms. Okay. I'm going to interrupt you because I was just going to give the telephone number, but apparently we have a caller. Oh, okay. So, cool. caller, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, please, what's your question? Yes. So you're mentioning... Um, have an emergency bag, and I take several medications. Mm -hmm. How many days of medication should I have, and should I have additional scripts with me in case, you know, it might be more than a week or something? I, you know. Are you saying, caller, that how much medication should you bring? How many, uh, for how long it could last? Is that what your question is? Co correct. Okay. Who wants to take that? Uh, I, I will. Um, so, there's no hard and fast rule, and by that I mean one of the things we, we stress is you should plan for at least that it would take up to three days for responders to get to you. Oof. It may take less, it may take more, uh, but the idea is that, uh, especially if the emergency is large in scale, uh, the idea is that they may have more people to, to help. So we definitely recommend at least a few days of medications. Now, as far as refills go, that is definitely something you should raise with your doctor. And it's definitely something you, if, if you can do that, that is definitely something you want to do. Um, some 
some uh, insurance companies or whatnot may, you know, may have issues with giving refills before you need them, but it's definitely something worth, worth, worth looking into, and if you can do that, it's definitely something we would recommend. You know, I have never had that thought before, so thank you, and thank you, Carla, for your question. But I would think that, I mean, I, I take certain medications that they will only refill one at a time and only after a certain number of days, but I would think for certain populations that may fall under the heading of reasonable accommodation yes. to allow a person to have not just the bottle that they're taking from every day, right. but a backup that they keep in their go bag. And it's definitely worth pursuing. There's just the unfortunate thing is there's no one universal answer to that question. But that's an excellent question. Absolutely. And by the way, for other people who may have questions, and we hope you do, uh, 617-708-3290 is the number to call to speak to Nate, Patrick, or for some strange reason you want to talk to me. Uh, another thing that we at the Disability Law Center learned from the Katrina disaster mm -hmm. was service animals. Mm -hmm. Some people have service animals or emotional support animals. How do they fit into emergency preparedness? Okay, so service animals, it's very interesting you ask that because there is actually ADA uh, language that has been used. So right now there are only two uh, animals, believe it or not, that can be officially classified as we service animals. Okay. Dogs and horses? Dogs and miniature horses, yes. I love the mini horses. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, they have to ride into the west. Right. So the biggest thing that we try to emphasize about service animals is two things. There's only, if you bring an animal to a uh, shelter and say it's a service animal, there's only two questions that are allowed to be asked of you. One is, is the animal a service animal? And the other is, what actions has the animal been trained to perform? Correct. Okay, so no one can ask you what your disability is. They can just say, basically, what does the animal assist you Good with? You. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but emotional support animals right. are, just a vi are just as vile, even though they don't meet the ADA description. That is, uh, however, as there is, that, there's no guarantee that emotional support animals would be allowed, allowed into a shelter. Okay, that's that's on know. a shelter-by-shelter basis. Um, the only ones, now they, they certainly could be, I don't want to say they're not, but the only ones that are mandated, allowed to be in the shelter are service animals. So that brings me back to the question I had before the caller uh, asked the question they asked. What about notifying police and first responders, not only that a person may use a chair or a person may need a certain type of assistance, but wouldn't you also be informing first responders about emotional support animals or service animals? Yes, it's, uh, it, there's a big, there is a big pool, shall I say, of service, different service animals that have, people have down, have companion dogs or dogs to calm them down and what we Particularly try Particularly in a what, disaster, yeah. Indefinitely, and what we try to say to all the people in, our, in the trainings is you bring the dog with if you, if you go into a shelter, tell them that this dog needs to be with me because of A, Y, and Z, and to make sure that he will, and that the shelter cannot refuse that because it's a big situation where 
it will be less aggravation for the director of the shelter or the director that needs to be um, helped with. And, or we like to say PCAs, personal care attendants, are sometimes allowed to go in the shelters because they basically will help the director, once again, the director of that program or that shelter, to have less attention to that one individual or three individuals, and then that PCA will help that individual with his needs or whatever they need. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you gentlemen speak, and I realize that a half an hour is just not going to cut it. So right now I'd like to, uh, you know, invite you back. Because okay. we're about, well, we're, we're well over 20 minutes into the program. Okay. So a couple of things I want to make, I want to shift gears a little sure. bit. Because mm -hmm. I wrote five pages of questions, and we didn't get up to a third of them. <laughs> I think it's important to note that in addition um, to all of the great information you gave us, you guys do trainings. Yes. Yeah. So if I, if, if I was a head of an organization, let's say I ran a beat a shelter <coughs> or as a chief of police, and I said, these guys were great. I would love to bring them out to speak to my employees. Mm -hmm. How would they get in touch with you? Uh, well, the website that they could use is Shriver. That's S-H-R-I-V-E-R. We have that on the screen right now. Yep. So the website on the screen. <coughs> Or if you would like to uh, schedule a training with Nate, uh, I assist him with scheduling that. So you could contact me through my work email, which is on your screens right now, patrick.gleason at umsmed.edu. I will respond as quickly as I can, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to work with you. I think that's terrific because there are just, there are just so many things. I mean, one of the things, because I, I can see we're kind of rolling down here, <coughs> forgive me for coughing, is, you know, what one person may view as an emergency, exactly. someone else may not. And in the world we're living in today, it's not just snowstorms anymore, right? No, it is not. It's all kinds of things. And, and in, addition, in addition to making sure you've got a dry pair of socks and so on and so forth, right. you have needs like medication and, and technology and cell phones and yep. chargers oh, and... Yes. All of this stuff, yep. right, for your, for your go bag. Absolutely. And just to give two more quick tips. Please. Uh, before. So the first thing is, as far as shelters go, we've talked about that a little bit. One of the biggest things, if it's possible to do, one of the two biggest things I would do is try to find where the shelters are in your city or town beforehand. Mm -hmm. Maybe from your town hall or from a website if you you know if if you don't have the internet yourself maybe through the library or something like that mm -hmm. would have a list of those shelters so you know where you're going the other thing that's just as important if you're able to try to go to the building before an emergency happens so you can see what the layout is and what uh in terms of spacing what you might need particularly if you use a wheelchair or a walker or other things like that because the more and more people that are in there, the more uh, contained things could be. So if you have an idea of what's in front of you before you before the emergency happens, it might help. So that sort of brings me, we've got about three minutes left thereabouts. Couple of things. Um, do you have an opinion on like uh, planning ahead of where you would meet up with other people? That can be something, yes. We, uh, we don't specifically make one, but we do recommend that people talk about that. It could be a meeting place. It could be 
maybe uh, if there's a park or something, it doesn't necessarily have to be in your home. Uh, it's just somewhere that everybody that you would be meeting with would be familiar with and know how to get to if, uh, if you're able to. And one more thing I want to drill down on because sure. I think it's important. The pros and cons of notifying police and first responders in your community that I am an individual with disabilities. Okay, so first thing I should say is Shriver itself, the Shriver Center itself does not take a position on whether somebody should do that or not. That has to be an individual choice. Pros, obviously, um, it might help the responders bring certain equipment if needed. It might help the responders know what calms somebody or know how best to help them. It might, you know, if, they're, if you live on the third floor of a building, like I said, they may need to know, you know, is there an elevator there, things like that. Um, but again, that's a cons. lot of cons. That's a lot of information, especially if you don't know where it's going, who's using it, how it's being used. So you want to find out the answers to those questions, but also it's a privacy concern. You know, you want, you a lot of individuals with disabilities don't feel comfortable sharing that information and they shouldn't feel like they need to if they're not comfortable. And I would like to underscore that. They shouldn't feel like they need to. So that is something people should really weigh. Absolutely. Right. So we are coming to the end of a, I think, a very wonderful show. And I can't thank Nathan and Patrick. I just can't thank them enough for being here. Um, we appreciate it greatly. And we would like to have you back. All right. Again, my name is Walter Nunes. I'd like folks to know that in addition to this live program today, the show will be in rotation and people can see it if they want to hear again what was, what was spoken about. But also, uh, we will have a disc of this show made and have it accessible for persons who are deaf and hard of hearing. We will post it on the Disability Law Center webpage as well as our uh, Facebook page and YouTube and just about everywhere on the net that you can access information. Again. Nate, Patrick, thank you so very, very much. And thank you so much for having us. It's been a true pleasure. Thank Great. you. Be safe out there, huh? Absolutely. Bye -bye.